I want to share some thoughts about being a traveler this morning. A lot of you are home, a lot of you are visiting. Many years ago, I was living in Texas, and a friend had invited me to go check a cattle tank with them, and then we went to see if cattle were still in the pasture, and we had to kind of walk over this knob, and uh, this path is deep, you know, it just kind of back and forth, and, and I'm looking at it and going, but if, you're, if you were a cow and you had your head about six inches from the ground and you're looking for something to eat, you're not necessarily looking at the straightest path, you're just looking at what's right in front of you. And over the course of time, what had happened is these paths had developed, but you know, very, very crooked. And you know, I, was, I was looking at that, and I'm thinking, there are times in life when I feel like that where I'm so caught up with the present that I'm not really kind of focused on what's ahead or what's us as travelers or journey people. With a, you, know, you have a destination in mind. And um, I, had, I lived with, uh, in the same community with an uncle and was helping him in his church many years ago. And, he used to stretch me theologically. But he said, there's a purpose that God called Abraham out of his home and made him a journeyer because he wanted to train him in some of the ways of thinking in the way of journey. And so I want to look at some of that idea today. Not every travel or journey in Scripture or wanderer is a positive thing. I mean, the very first instance, you have a farmer in Cain, who, when he kills his brother and the blood is poured out on the ground, says, because you spilled his blood on the ground, you're no longer going to be able to reap from the ground. Instead, you're going to become a wanderer. And so the very first wanderer, it's a very negative thing. You know, you have in the New Testament the picture of the prodigal son who receives his inheritance and then takes off because he doesn't he knows he wants to live differently than what he'd have to live at home. And so that said, there are still things, though, when, when God called Abraham, he says, I want you to leave your family and your country, and I want you to go where I'll tell you. In other words, God doesn't even say, I want you to go to this specific place. He just says, I'll, I'll let you know where you're supposed to be going. So why would God do that? I mean, why would he take him out of the community that he's familiar with and just kind of take off? And you realize in that journey, he's going to have to trust God. He's going to have new encounters every day. He is not going to necessarily feel a sense of completion until he's at the destination. Staying in that same location, I mean, in, that lo in one location, you get to explore the full effects of sowing and reaping. That's, that's part of living in a stationary place, right? So there are good truths to be learned in that. But one of the dangers is that you get into repetitive cycles. You know, it's like coming to church every week and saying, well, I expect to have happen what happened last week, and the week before, and the week before. You know, it's just kind of that cyclical thing. Every seven days is what we do. 
Or what if, you know, you're, you're a farmer and you're saying, well, every spring we plant, every fall we harvest. You know, and so there's high points and low points, and you just keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Yet, in some ways, the Lord is taking Abraham and saying, you're going on a journey. Every day is going to be new. Every activity is going to have a little bit different twist than what it was. And yet, there's that opportunity for interaction day after day after day. And there will be high points and low points. But you have a destination in mind. And you, know, the, you won't necessarily feel complete until you're there. That's really important with our own thinking. And at least that's part of the reason I believe that God called Abraham out of there. He gave him some amazing promises, right? He says, I'm going I'm to give you family. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to bless everyone through you. You know, people that bless you will be blessed. People that curse you will be cursed. He laid out a lot of good promise in this, I want you to leave home. But he's, he has to respond in faith, and he has to trust God for each step of the journey. Sometimes coming back here is almost a, a great way to reset and say, well, I have great memories from here, but what is God doing now? In, in bar, it would never be the same, right? I mean, you can, you can go back to a place, but you're not the same, nor are the people that you were with. And so you're, you're anticipating new encounters and good things, but it is not going to have the same look as it once did. And that's part of what we embrace when we embrace the concept of being journeyers or travelers in the Lord. Even after Abraham, you know, Jacob, a few generations later, when he's talking to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's asking about his life, and he says, I've been a traveler, I've been a journeyer, and it's been difficult. But my years are less than what my fathers were even in their travel. So he's saying, that's, that's our family. That's who we are as a group. Consider Jesus. When he, after he'd healed a bunch of people in Matthew chapter 8, he, uh, he has guys coming to him and say, I'll go with you anywhere. You know, or, or a guy says, you know, as soon as I bury my father, I'll, I'll be able to come with you. And in that culture, it didn't even mean that dad was dead. It just said, you know, I'll, I'll, I'm going to look after him until he dies and take care of this, and I can, then I can join you. In the middle of that, Jesus says, well, birds of the air have nests, foxes have holes, the Son of Man has no place of his own, no place to lay his head. Jesus said, I'm a traveler while I'm here. I'm a journeyer, sojourner. You know, all of those words kind of tie together. So what's it all mean? When we read the Psalms, there's a scripture that says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. We, we tie into the scripture in production as to how to live. It, it sets the course. Some years ago, I'd been out bow hunting, and if you, if you hunt at night, usually you try to stay in your tree until it's dark. 
and you get down, and I got off my trail, only by about 10 feet when I went back and looked at it later, but it's dark, and I can't find the trail. Didn't remember my compass. And thankfully, I, I was able to follow the moon out. So it was kind of a cool experience to just, you know, I'm kind of strange because there is something challenging in me to, to head out into the woods at night just because it's freaky, right? And to, to wrestle with your head over such things and say, no, I don't have to be afraid. And, and this can be, really be cool. It's different than what I see in the day. But to just, you know, in that moment, light became very precious. And there was no question as to how, which direction to go. The light was literally a lamp for me. And you're looking at that and say, God promises that kind of help, even though we may, not, we, not even, we may not even know where the path is anymore. But there's that opportunity of him guiding our steps even so. John 14, Jesus says, I am the way. Some will say the path. So Jesus says, you tie into me, and, and, and you're, this is the way that you need to go. And he makes the further statement, no one comes to the Father except through me. Um, the New Testament church did not step away from this traveler mindset either. Not sure what I did. Um, When the early persecution hit and they were forced out of their community, just cast out in every direction, Peter writes his epistle and, and says, well, fellow exiles and sojourners, travelers, you know, he, he writes them a letter. They're scattered all over the place. Many places are listed. And he makes this comment in the, in the second chapter, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage in war against your soul. He says, if you truly believe that you're citizens of heaven and citizens of the kingdom of God, he says, I don't want you to get too settled with what you're, where you're at and what you're in. You know, that he says, there's, it's like a tension or war going on in your, in your souls. And you've got to make this choice. I'm a traveler. I have a goal in mind. I'm not just staying and tasting everything around me. The, uh, there's a sad verse at the end of 2 Timothy where Paul is making his final statements. It, uh, commentators say it's the last book that he wrote. And he makes this comment. He says, Demas has forsaken me. Demas loved this world, and he loved him, and he forgot to keep traveling in the Lord, so to speak. Let's just do a, a few final thoughts. 2 Peter 3.13. According to his promise, we're waiting for a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So the destination at the end of the journey, is still this awareness that God intends to set everything right. 
It'll have a completely different look than what we're a participant in now. But it will be ruled with righteousness. It's not going to be, um, we're not going to look at evil at every turn. But rather, this, this will be a place of wholesome health, so to speak. That's, that's what we set our eyes on. That's what dictates all of the steps of life. That's what is important in regard to our journey. There is opportunity for reset, even. The prophet Jeremiah saw his country eroding and falling apart and knew that God's judgment was coming. In fact, he predicted that they would be hauled off into captivity for 70 years before it ever happened. So that's pretty amazing. And it happened that way. It says, with weeping they shall come with pleas of mercy, and I will lead them back. I'll make them walk by brooks of water in a straight path in which they shall not stumble, for I am the father to Israel. So God's making this declaration and saying, even though they're wandering away from me now, and even though they're living foolishly, and I'm going to have to literally haul them out of this land, he says, when they cry out to me, I'm going to bring them back because I'm a father. Powerful idea. Something to grab onto for ourselves when we feel like we've lost our way. Listen to this out of Psalm 139. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. So even though at times we're not sure where we're at, God knows. Even though at times we're just, we're confused as even which way to head out. And yet, God knows. In Psalm 77, there's a, the psalm is kind of written from a perspective of deep anxiety. The psalmist is very concerned about some things. But he, he hearkens back to history and he makes this comment. Your way was through the sea. Your Egypt up against the sea, an army coming to conquer them and, and being in desperate straits. And God opened the sea and, and he's saying, you made a way, you made a path, and you took them through deep waters. You know, deep waters in the sense of the stress of, of dealing with another army, deep waters of having to walk through a place that people don't walk through. But he's, he's saying, that's the God that I serve, so I can trust you with this, your path. It says, your footprints were unseen. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? You led us through this incredible place, this deep water spot. We couldn't even see your footprints, but somehow we knew you were there. And when we look back, we realize this was God. That's a story for us, too. Every single passage or story in Scripture is part of our story. It's part of our heritage. So just as the psalmist got to pull that out and say, I can trust you because I remember, we have the right to do the same thing and say, we're, we're serving the same God, the same God who's done all these things. So I have the right to... Final verse, all who are wise follow a road that leads upward to life and away from death. 
God guide us in the journey, huh? Guide our steps. When we lose our way, help us to get reset in you. Help us to look up off that path. You know, when it's, you know, in truth, it, that, those cattle paths are like, like a drunk, right? Just not, not walking very straight. And sometimes our own life paths are pretty much like that. Help us to look at the destiny and say, God, that's what I'm committed to. And then to chase him wholeheartedly. God bless you. One of the most famous parables is the parable of the Good Samaritan. Two travelers, right? Several travelers, but two that stood out. One that was deeply in need and another that was willing to help assist that person. We, most of us fit somewhere in between there this morning, right? You may be in a place of need and we would like to be able to pray with you, ask for God's help and direction. You may be in a place to give help, and we'd like to see you function in that as well. What remains is open-ended worship. Stay, settle things with the Lord. Um, you can leave whenever you need to. I want to pray for God's blessing upon you. May your blessing rest upon these, your people, and they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that this journey is good in you. And even though they don't feel settled completely, there's an awareness this is appropriate in you. Guide our paths, we ask. As each one goes into the community, I ask that you give them words of life to speak over others. Enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with the supernatural. Be lifted up and exalted, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day. Amen. God bless you.